So hello and welcome to Driving Heroes podcast by Compatera. This is a series of interviews with the best-in-class retail pricing experts for driving the company's biometrics and the retail industry as a whole. Our today's guest is Juan Diaz Parientos, pricing manager at one of the biggest home retailers in Sweden, Finland and Norway. He's based in Stockholm and also he's an implementation manager at IBM. Hi Juan and thank you for joining us. Hi Elena. Thank you for inviting me. Cool. Um, so let's start uh, right away. And can you tell our listeners more about yourself and your professional path? Sure. Um, well, my name is Juan. I'm originally from Colombia. I moved to Sweden around 15 years ago. I did it because of my master's. And uh, since then, I decided to stay in Sweden. And uh, that's when my career in pricing started. Um, I actually started working for um, uh, the G4S, that, that was back in Colombia, doing some cost plus pricing. So I come from pricing from the very old days when pricing wasn't really even a thing yet. Uh-huh. So the, the, the position was more like called a pre-sales analyst, but we were only doing pricing. ABC costing, and then we added some uh, margin. Um, after I moved to Sweden, I started working uh, at Coop as a pricing analyst, uh, and I was quickly promoted to a senior position within Coop. Uh, continued developing uh, pricing strategies. Uh, we, at that time, had adopted a pricing tool uh, called uh, Demantec uh, from IBM. Uh, so we were um, in the whole implementation and uh, creating a full team from scratches, all the templates and, uh, well, all the processes as well. <clears throat> then uh, I moved uh, for a while to a company called uh, Rexel. Uh, I work uh, as a business analyst there and uh, help them to create an analytical department. Uh, they didn't have any department uh, to handle analysis, so the the position was very broad. Uh, some of the parts uh, included some implementations, uh, a lot of workshops, a lot of understanding, and uh, helping them to expand and to improve uh, gross margins. Uh, and then I was headhunted by IBM. Uh, that's in uh, 2015. IBM was my previous vendor, so they knew me very well. Uh, and they wanted me to join. And I joined as an implementation manager slash consultant slash project manager. Mm-hmm. So uh, at Demantec, we weren't really characterized to have a lot of extra resources as the rest of Demantec. So pretty much we were doing all the different uh, tasks. Um, at my time at IBM, I handled four accounts in the Nordics. Uh, four of the biggest uh, food retailers in the Nordics. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them sold much more than only um, food, uh, the Kesko Group. Uh, we had that account in uh, Sweden and uh, in uh, Finland, uh, both for grocery and uh, business trade uh, side. Uh, I was at IBM about three years, and then uh, I decided to take on the challenge of uh, joining uh, uh, the current company uh, I'm working for today, uh, where we handle um, home improvement uh, retailing uh, with a new department created from scratches. Uh, and from scratches, I really mean from scratch. I mean, wow. we had we had nothing in place when I joined the company. 
is if we put all the pricing team to work together, we could increase prices by 20 million Swedish crowns in uh, per month uh, with everybody working in all the countries full-time on price yeah. increases. Now we are able to take 500 million, probably because we were pushed a lot by the inflation, oh, but, yeah. uh, also because we have improved uh, processes and uh, we have improved competences in, in the team. Uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. I'm an economist, uh, that's my background. Um, I also have a bachelor in business administration and I have two masters, one in uh, risk administration, uh, risk management, and then the other one in uh, finance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the risk management is something that sounds really up to date right now, especially speaking about inflation and all the steps that should <laughs> be forethought, like 20, 20 steps ahead. And uh, you mentioned that you were, the, like, you were the first to implement the pricing towards one of your positions. Uh, what was the year? As far as I guess, it was like in the beginning of 2000. 10, 11, or? Yeah, it was in 2012. Uh, that's when Coop bought uh, the Demantic tool. Mm -hmm. um, it was one of the most advanced tools at the moment uh, in the market. There were not as many competitors as uh, it is today. The offer for pricing tools has grown a lot. Um, as an implementation, they come with some nice parts and some painful parts. Most of the problems usually happen with the data integration in any implementation. Uh, companies have the tendency to believe they have all the data available and mm -hmm. it's easy to transfer, but that's not usually the case. And um, yeah, you know, if you put Definitely. a path inside in, the results are not as satisfactory. So a lot of data cleansing we have to went through and uh, a lot of fixes and tweaks and tricks in order to make the system to work correctly. Today, Coop has a much better data. I have sure. worked with them after my position. I was their consultant and I had seen the improvements in data. But one of the most painful parts is always the data integration side. Definitely. And I guess that the key to success in implementation, the AI or ML, other tech tools for pricing or supply chain or um, any other pillar of retail is definitely data. Just put your data in order and then you'll have the results you're aiming to. That's that's the rule number one, I guess. That's what I hear from exactly. our project managers as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so um, and uh, you said you developed and you set up the pricing department from scratch at your current position. So what are your and your team's major wins throughout 2022? It's been really hard for everybody, I guess. Yeah. But I, maybe there are some successes. There are. Um, I'm very proud of a lot of the things we have reached during 2022. Um, the main success, well, I would say like it was to handle inflation. Uh, 9.5 inflation that we haven't really had for a while. Uh, it has been a huge challenge for a team, as I mentioned before, that wasn't really able to take out in uh, price increases those amounts of money. 
Um, so that's one of the biggest milestones. It was super painful at the beginning. Um, I cannot guarantee we did all the price increases right. Uh, <laughs> but we did what we had to do. And now we have a process in place. And uh, it's being more, much more smoothly. Uh, the most difficult part was at the beginning. Now that the process is in place and we know how to do it, has become much easier to handle. But Definitely. for the department itself, starting from scratches, I would say like one of the main success factors in 2022 was to establish a team with the right competence and the right roles inside the class also. So we, when I joined the team, I pretty much heritage to analysts that were not pricing analysts. So I needed to educate them from, from zero as well. Mm -hmm. And we had all the competence located in Sweden. No, we didn't have any local competence for Norway and Finland. And yeah, there are the Nordics, but we are totally different countries. You cannot assume that a table lamp that you sell in Sweden and Swedes usually put it beside the windows is gonna sell as well in Finland when they don't even understand how where to put the table lamp. Uh, and uh, yeah, those kind of things are really important about the local knowledge. So we established a team of six different uh, analysts with different profiles, uh, two focusing in the Norwegian market, two focusing in the uh, Swedish market, and two with the focus on the Finnish market. Uh, and we divided the team in three different roles. Uh, one uh, senior pricing analyst that became a pricing strategist and a monitoring analyst. Then we also created pricing executors and pricing coordinators role. And the role division also helped us to reach the targets. Um, throughout the year, we also made it to automate a lot of different processes. Uh, like how we were scraping the data, how the competitor's data was analyzed. Uh, we are a retailer, so we have a lot of the competitors that sell exactly the same product. So we need we needed to be smart, which are the right competitors to follow, how to follow them in the different markets, where in which locations are they more important or less important, and to develop a model. Uh, a model that today is fully automatic. Uh, we got some help from the AI team, and they have helped. They have helped us a lot. We build uh, we built everything in Excel first, just to build some scratch, some sketch on how everything should look like. And we started working with the Excel templates. But as you know, Excel is way off capacity when oh, it yeah. comes to pricing today. Um, so automating all the processes, or not all, but most of the main processes has, big, has been a big, huge win for the team. We free time for the analysts to do real analytical job instead of having analysts doing very administrative job, doing all the, um, uh, all the templates and uh, the analysis manually. Uh, and we even if we had such a difficult time handling inflation 
we when we managed inflation, we made it to start rolling out our main goal and our main strategy that is to build price perception. Definitely. Uh, so now, how many people are there in your pricing department? With me, we are seven. Seven. And you manage for three countries. The price is for all three countries, for Sweden, Finland, exactly. and Norway. Wow, that sounds really impressive because as far as I understand, you have more than 180 stores in three of these countries. That's what I was able to right. count to count on the on the website. I would count in it manually. <laughs> you know, that's that's what happens when you have your data data to be managed manually. So you need those algorithms to help you. <laughs> uh, okay, that's that's actually really interesting that you had to develop the whole department, especially in this in these times. But uh, speaking about inflation and speaking of like now we're recording this uh, episode like two weeks before Christmas and we understand that the holiday season is coming. So what are your thoughts on the current state of home retail uh, with the conjunction of upcoming holiday season and surge in infl inflation? Do you see any new patterns from your customers or maybe everything remains the same and we just make too much fuss? There are two main patterns, and uh, one of them has been really well known in the past. Uh, and in times of recession, people have the, the tendency to move more towards the private labels. So we see a big switch between, uh, in, in terms of volumes between the known brands and the private labels. So that's a big win, especially because usually we get a better gross margin from the private labels, otherwise they wouldn't even exist. And one of the biggest wins about that, uh, why I consider it so important, is that after recession in the past, the switch, the people that pick the private label usually stick to the private label. So it's a stable switch in volumes. Uh, very positive for private labels and very positive for companies to develop the right private labels and to start selling them because Definitely. you might get some uh, loyal uh, customers. And the second one, not surprisingly, not only because of inflation, but most because of energy prices, uh, smart home products. Uh, there is a boom uh, for uh, oh. smart home products uh, to help you to understand better your energy consumption. Uh, and uh, I have heard cases of some of our customers uh, or even employees that have made it to reduce their energy consumptions by 30%, just by making their homes much more smarter. This last applies much better when you have an old house than a fully new house. But uh, there are a lot of old houses in the Nordics. So we mm -hmm. see a pattern there. Uh, sadly, we don't really own the smart uh, home sector, uh, but we are present and we see there is a big increase and a big interest from our clients. Mm -hmm. And I guess, and I guess this will be like the long-standing trend probably because the energy prices just became like you know a little push, which will keep this ball rolling, I guess, for a couple of decades. For sure. And uh, actually speaking about the private labels, I had a talk, the interview as well with the director for pricing 
at Carrefour, that's the grocery retailer in France. And we were speaking yeah. about inflation as well. And he shared the same thing about private labels that people are actually switching to them and that the pricing teams and the whole management understands that. And they see it as a very positive trend for uh, domestic sellers, for private labels, and as well, uh, you now confirm that this is the long-standing trend and the positive one. So, um, and speaking about your profound experience at IBM, I guess it's really interesting for our audience to um, listen about. So how do you think the companies should employ the pricing technologies to stay afloat and maybe even thrive during the current recession? Yeah, I mean, in terms in times of recession, in terms of inflation, it's highly important to have the right system besides you. Uh, this is very easy to think volumes are stable and then you make a price increase and then you say, okay, then now I have raised prices for 300 million. But what happens when the volumes don't really follow and volumes are not static? So those 300 million can easily become only 150 million and then you haven't really done enough to handle inflation. So you, that's when these systems come into the game. They help you to understand where to make the price changes that really matter. So the ones that are not gonna be affecting your volumes negatively. It's impossible to think that any person or any company in the world can handle 10,000 SKUs. Let's not make it that big uh, for a food retailer is even, 200,000 SKUs with Excel or with the knowledge of one person. You don't have the time just to try to hire the price of 10 products this week, wait two months, see what happens, and then in two months do the change of other two, 10 products. I mean, that's ridiculous to think that that is going to bring any kind of positive results when uh, the amount of SKUs we are talking about. So these systems usually help you to calculate the elasticity for every single product, helps you to calculate the cross elasticity for the products, helps you to understand if there are complementary or substitute goods, so you can also create better strategies. With all that say, all the systems help you to identify where you really can affect the gross margin and can affect the volumes positively with your price changes. So I see a very important uh, trend. And uh, also when it comes to understanding the underlying factors of price changes, um, we just, in pricing, if you just rely on the price increase of the vendors, then you cannot really predict how much more can a price uh, increase. So the understanding of raw materials, transportation costs, and all those variables together are just too much information for a human to handle. So mm -hmm. these systems help you to canalize that information and to make better decisions, understanding the underlying factors of the price increases. And this also helps you to go and renegotiate with your vendors. So you go back and if the vendor is increasing the price, you can help them to understand if it's a price that has a good um, 
a good base for a price increase that customers will understand. Customers are not stupid. So if you just increase the price of 10% of a product with, that doesn't have any raw, special raw material where prices have increased uh, or any transportation costs because it's a local product or what, whatever the reason is, customers probably are going to get mad at your price increase. If you understand the underlying factor, then customers are also going to be more willing to pay the extra price increase because they understand the root of cost. But it's important to think that these times, most of these systems also have a model that is called uh, deal management. And it's a model designed to work together with vendors. In these times of inflation, I don't believe retailers should be working alone and stand alone and try to figure But this is a pretty much a, a partnership with your vendor so you together can decide what is the best for the future of both companies. Definitely. And um, I, I just want to raise one point over here and it is the level of maturity of the companies. Um, not all companies are ready to adapt a pricing system especially because of the change management. There are huge oppositions in companies where the culture is not mature enough. And these implementation projects probably should be put in pause for a while until you make, or either you include it as a big part of your project and start working with change management from day one, or you wait a little bit and make the transformation smoother for the company, because that's one of the, from my experience in IBM, that's one of the major issues every time you try to implement a pricing system is change management. People don't understand. People usually, if you you are not reporting prices to other analysts, but probably you're reporting prices to purchasing. And uh, people in purchasing don't have all that data with them. They just made a forecast out of an initial price. They thought it was going to be right. And uh, fine. I mean, that is nothing wrong with that. But as soon as you come with a new price and say, it's because of um, elasticity here, it's because this other product change here. And, and then you can with 20 different reasons why you change the price for a product. If they are not mature enough to digest all the new data that is coming, their first their first option will be to oppose their recommended mm -hmm. prices. Definitely. Yes, and the level of maturity really matters. Um, the same thing, I interviewed uh, one of the pricing experts um, from Munich, from Germany, and he also touched upon this particular problem i would say it like this because sometimes uh the pricing teams uh, appear to be really you know forward thinking and it's really difficult sometimes to just conceive this and to portray this thought and um the whole idea behind uh, you know tax solutions to uh the people in charge in different other in other different departments and yeah and uh, the, the, there was dr marcus 
Usman Kapetsky, and he mentioned that to be a, a successful pricing manager, you have to be a really good orator. So you have to speak a lot and you have <laughs> to know how to speak, you know, to, to convey all the thoughts. Yeah, um, totally agree. Mm -hmm. And um, coming from the back and into the future, how do you might imagine the future of pricing? What are your thoughts about the pricing for, like, uh, let's say, 10 years ahead? If we only focus, I mean, pricing is such a big question. Uh, let's all focus only in the retailing side. Definitely. Uh, what I see in retailing in the Nordics is that there is still a big division between the campaign departments and the base pricing or regular pricing departments. So we are pretty much fighting to each other. But the truth is that the main goal of any pricing department in the world is to improve gross margins. So you cannot have this division between campaigns and regular prices. Yes, there are two different approaches, but both at the end of the day have a lot to do with pricing. And to drive a right pricing strategy, you need to put them together. So I think in the future, and I think a lot of companies are realizing that, that to have a price team that increases prices, and then you have a campaign team that kills the price, well, then at the end of the day, you are doing nothing. So you putting them together will give them the capacity to, to stop thinking only about the price, but probably to transform the pricing arena into more um, margin optimization analysts instead mm -hmm. of thinking only about the final price. So that, that's one of the thoughts I have. I think it's going to be here. It's going to take a while until we get there, at least in the Nordics, for what I see. But more and more senior management are realizing that. <clears throat> New pricing capabilities. I also feel like people uh, is more aware about not developing their own pricing solutions. And I'm, I'm against developing own pricing solutions just because they rely too much in the knowledge of one or two people in the organization to be able to update all the algorithms. It's true that they can be much more tailor-made, but they also get, they don't get upgraded as fast as established companies. So I think more of the companies are realizing that those investments at the end of the day can be much more expensive than buy an established uh, pricing solution. And a lot of companies are gonna start moving more towards buying uh, solutions. Now, how you call the solution is, uh, is up to the company to decide and to pick the one that really suits their strategy. Uh, and I think also companies are maturing in uh, pricing matters. Like if you took 10 years ago, Pricing was such a new thing and people knew, okay, if I increase prices, then I increase margin, fine. But that's the only thought uh, people had in mind. Now senior management is understanding much more about uh, pricing and is maturing, the topic is maturing. So I think they, this will also create a career path for pricing specialists to continue growing in the company. I, I heard those comments in the past, like, 
the guys from pricing, they are just specialists. They just know about pricing. But the truth is that pricing is much more than only setting a price. I mean, pricing is also a lot about communication. It's also a lot about advertisement. Is I mean, there are so many different topics. It's a lot about the logistics chain as well. So it's not like pricing specialists are only specialists in pricing. We need to understand much more of the whole uh, retail chain. And I think that is improving. I think people is realizing like, okay, this is not only setting the final price. I mean, for that job, you only need a monkey that clicks the... Yeah. Okay, and um, one of the last questions I have, which is more Wrote and more based on what you read and what you listen. So the question sounds is like, what literature, media, or podcasts about pricing and retail uh, do you recommend to your colleagues? What inspires you? Maybe what gives you the food for thought in pricing? I would go back to the doctor you told me about. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of my favorite for a podcast. It's called uh, Talk Fast think smart yeah uh, from the stanford university it is I, I mean it doesn't have to do anything with pricing or anything to do or whatsoever we're retailing it's just about the power of communication on how to communicate better and as the doctor you have interviewed previously told you a lot is about communication sending the message explaining communicating, making your ideas clear and making everybody else to understand them. So that's a podcast I would recommend to anybody in any kind of field, not only within pricing, but since pricing is so new, communication, I think, is even more, more important. Then a little bit more focus on retailing. I like a lot the McKenzie on on consumer and retailing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a really good podcast, and especially because it's usually they invite one person from uh, every region, you know. So it's not only very focused on uh, America, but also focused on Europe and Asia, and you get to hear the different trends in the different markets and the different difficulties and uh, so on. So it's really enrichable, and they usually come up with a, a newly released research. Uh, like, yeah, uh, I heard there are a little bit about the private labels as well, and that was like more than six months ago. Uh, and uh, the different, very important topics uh, within retailing. Then when it comes to literature, and more specifically, if you are going through a pricing transformation, I would really highly recommend the world-class pricing from uh, Jim Saunders and uh, Paul Hall. It's a, it's a great book to give you a guidance on where your uh, company stands today when it comes to maturity and what kind of pricing strategy probably you should be applying or what kind of pricing approach you should be applying. And then it gives you five different steps when you should start investing in pricing systems, when, uh, um, yeah, I mean, the, the different steps. So I think 
that's a very, very useful book. Then there are a lot of books. So I would say like, go depending on what's your interest because some of them can become hugely academical. And if you are not into math, then probably they can be, uh, yeah, they can be painful to read. Mm -hmm. uh, but for those trying to adapt some uh, a data-driven approach around pricing, uh, forget a little bit about the gut feeling. <laughs> Mackenzie and uh, BCG Group, they have a lot of free articles. Mm -hmm. And you just go to their website and then download those articles like price perception or KVIs, KVCs, how to approach, how to build the right pricing strategy, combining campaigns and combining regular prices, all those kind of things. You find the literature there. And then if you want to get deeper, then you can go to a book. But just to have the overview, I think like a five pages article could be enough to have an idea and to have a path to follow. Mm -hmm, definitely. And that's, you know, actually one of the parts of communication. Like it's really um, easier to digest the five or 10 pages white paper or an article than the book. Usually it goes like this, especially if we're speaking about really, really data-based books. And I know a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the last question for today, um, what advice would you give to your younger self starting a career in pricing? Yeah, uh, I think if you're starting a career in pricing, you are doing it right. <laughs> because, <laughs> not because it's a very interesting uh, topic, but also it's very niche still. So there are not a lot of pricing specialists in the market. It's growing and it's growing a lot. So there are a lot of job opportunities within pricing. So that's super positive uh, for the guys to hear about. Uh, also, the academics in pricing are very important. Uh, I would really suggest that go back to your academics. You need to... At the end of the day, what you are trying to do with pricing is to maximize gross margin. But how you maximize gross margin, you need to maximize the demand curve. That's what you are trying to do. So it becomes very uh, academic. And how you maximize the demand curve? Well, there is a bunch of academics around it. The microeconomics around pricing, uh, they are really important. It gives you a good understanding and a good overview. And then data literacy is also very important and is key. And not only Excel, Excel is good, but move towards more sophisticated data-driven systems. Python could be one of them. Learn to code a little bit. You don't, in pricing, we don't have to become a data scientists. But we need to be able to retrieve our own information and we need to be able to understand the information. And sometimes understanding consumer patterns can take you to analyze 80 million invoices. And you cannot do that with Excel. Um, you can barely do that with the SQL. 
so then Python becomes a much more sophisticated tool. So I would suggest like start with the basics, try to make yourself more familiar and try to learn a little bit about the visualization. That's also really important. Um, a lot of, there are a lot of different programs in data visualization and they are not so complicated to use. If you want to get familiar with Tableau, uh, Microsoft um, uh, Power BI's, um, Cognos is also there, ClickView, there are some kind of tips. The good thing is that if you learn one, you pretty much are going to be able to handle the others. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to learn all of them. Yeah, so they really uh, somehow look alike and definitely. You learn one, you're more open to another one, for sure. Juan, thank <laughs> you so much for this interview. It is really insightful and I hope our audience and our listeners will enjoy it as much as I did. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much for your time, Lena. Thank you. Uh, keep in touch. Keep in touch. I hope you enjoyed our interview. Follow our guest on LinkedIn. And for more information about deep learning pricing solutions, visit Compatera.net. Also, hit the follow or subscribe button and rate Pricing Heroes podcast with five stars, of course. It helps more people to discover our interviews and grow the pricing awareness in the retail industry. All the links are in the description to this episode. And uh, ciao and till next time. <laughs>